The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a special guest with me, Dr. Karina Syracusa. She is a physical therapist and board certified in both pelvic health physical therapy and oncology physical therapy. She has practiced in these areas for over 15 years and truly has a unique ability to talk about bladder, bowel, and sexual dysfunction in a way that feels comfortable and normal, which I feel like that's really rare. Karina teaches for the Academy of Pelvic Health of the American Physical Therapy Association, and her and I first met at the 2021 annual MS conference, where she was giving a lecture on evaluating and treating pelvic floor conditions in multiple sclerosis. And as she was talking, I literally pulled out my phone and started typing in my notes app all these questions that I wanted to ask her when I had her on as a guest on my podcast. I just immediately knew that I wanted my listeners to learn from her. On today's episode, we talk about when to ask for help with bladder and bowel issues, as well as treatment options and which lesions might be causing pelvic floor symptoms. Karina, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I think this is such an important topic that everyone with multiple sclerosis needs to hear. But before we get to our questions, I would love to ask you a question from my interview deck to help our listeners get to know you a bit more. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Shuffling my cards. Your question is, what is one thing you wish you had the money to pay someone to do for you? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a lot of answers to that question. Um, I would say probably my documentation. And I think this is um, pretty typical of every physical therapist is like, we, we did not get into physical therapy to write things down. We got into health patients. And so um, I, my bosses will tell you that's always the thing I'm behind on is my documentation. So yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty solid answer to that question. Oh my gosh. I love that. I remember I wasn't even officially a physical therapist yet. I was still in PT school and every PT that I talked to said, I hope you like writing, you know, documentation is going to take a while. <laughs> it is. It's, I mean, it's very necessary. We have to do it, but man, it is, I think every PT's least favorite part of their job. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that would be 100% my answer. <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer. All right. So I think one reason that I'm so excited to talk to you is because 
I find that a lot of my clients have bladder or bowel issues, but they chalk it up to just nothing you can do about it, or it's normal or whatever. I have other things going on. And there's actually so many things that we can do and so many things that you should know about bowel and bladder impairment. So I'm really, really excited to dive into these questions. My first question for you is, what are some of the symptoms that should cause someone with MS to think about going to a pelvic floor therapist or at least having that conversation with their doctors to get a referral? Absolutely, yeah. So this is a great question because pelvic floor topics are the things that no one wants to talk about. You know, I say anything that's covered up by your underwear is the last thing you want to talk about with your (laughs) practitioner. And really the last thing you think about talking about with your physical therapist. So, um, so there, you know, there are several things that you should talk to your physician about when, you know, when you're thinking about anything in the downstairs area. Uh, So first and foremost is urinary incontinence or urinary leakage. If you are leaking at all, you should definitely talk to somebody about it. There, there are a variety of reasons why we leak, but um, there sh- it's never normal. And I think, unfortunately, especially with women, it is something that has been normalized. You know, there's lots of jokes about, oh, you know, I jumped on the trampoline and I peed a little bit. And women um, and, and men who experience those types of incontinence all think that they just have to, you know, kind of deal with it. And, and that's simply not true. It's not something uh, that people should not seek treatment for. Uh, Another thing is uh, bowel issues. So constipation. Um, Now I'm not talking about kind of your occasional constipation because you went on vacation and you ate a whole bunch of, you know, stuff that you don't normally eat. And then you don't poop for a couple of days. That like kind of uh, intermittent constipation is not something that we really have to worry about. But if you're suffering from constipation and it's long-term and it's not going away, so you know, you're having trouble having a bowel movement for months and months and months, you definitely should uh, address that with your provider. Or if some of the symptoms of constipation like bloating or gas are really giving you a lot of pain and interfering with your activities of daily living, then we definitely want to seek treatment for that. And then the final thing that really from a pelvic floor PT standpoint that I deal with a lot is sexual dysfunction. So um, now this is, that's a big umbrella term um, for, uh, for lots of different things that can happen. I always joke, like if you're unsatisfied with your sex life, because you're not happy with your partner, that's not something that pelvic floor PT is going to help. But (laughs) if you um, are having things like, you know, you're unable to achieve an orgasm, or if you're a male, you're having difficulty with erection, um, or if you're a female and uh, you're having numbness or tingling or pain uh, during during uh, sexual activity, then there may be some physical therapy things that we might be able to do to help improve that. Um, and so, and it's all very individualized. It depends on how severe your MS is, if you have spasticity, how bad your fatigue is. Uh, and, and so your physical therapist will work with you on those types of things to um, help improve what they can. And then we use medication for the rest. So bowel, bladder, sexual function are the three things that really, if you're having any issues with those, you should definitely talk to your provider about. 
I love that you clarified too, especially for the leaking, if you have any leaking, that's not normal, that you should see someone. Because I feel like so many people have, you know, a little bit and they think, oh, it's fine. Every woman has this, or, you know, so many people has this. So that's really great to just hear someone say that. It almost, I feel like it gives you permission, like, okay, yeah, this is a pass for me to go to get PT. I'm not crazy. Yeah, it's funny because I often joke that um, at least a quarter of my job is dispelling myths and old wives tales, right? Like, so, you know, there's lots of women that come to me and they're like, oh yeah, I leak a little bit when I laugh, but you know, what woman doesn't? And and that's kind of that, um, uh, you know, that, that myth or that disparity that we kind of, we kind of perpetuate. And so I always say like, no, that's not normal. There absolutely are things that you can do about it that are conservative and not surgical and not medication. So uh, we definitely want to make sure that we're taking care of that. But it, it, it has been normalized and you see it on TV, you see commercials for poise pads and you never really did before. Um, so I, I'm glad in a way that it, it uh, allows people to talk about it, but I'm unhappy in the way that they don't refer them to physical therapy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So a lot of the Missing Link podcast listeners do have multiple sclerosis or other neuro-based conditions. So what are some neuro-based impairments that you tend to see when it comes to bladder and bowel? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, number one is what we call neurogenic bladder or neurogenic bowel. And, um, and and so that happens with a variety of conditions. It can happen with MS. It almost definitely happens with a spinal cord injury, and it can happen with things like Parkinson's or a stroke. And neurogenic bowel or bladder is essentially what happens when the signal between the bladder, for instance, and the brain is somehow interrupted. Um, So with MS, we know that, you know, depending on where your lesions are, that's going to interrupt that signal going back and forth. Um, In a stroke, if you have a stroke in one particular area, that's going to stop that signal from reaching where it needs to. And so because that signal is interrupted, that neurogenic bladder causes maybe overactive bladder. So it contracts when it's not supposed to, or um, something called underactive bladder used to be called lazy bladder, but I think that's mean to call the bladder lazy. Um, But, you know, underactive bladder where it doesn't squeeze hard enough. And so patients have a a little bit of extra urine in their bladder. So um, that neurogenic bowel or bladder can happen with really any neurologic issue. Um, It just depends on the severity of the neuro issue as to usually how severe some of those bowel and bladder symptoms are. Gotcha. And you mentioned too, that depending on where your lesions are, that could cause different things. So where might a lesion be that could cause some of these issues? Yeah, that's a great question too. So the the main area for the bladder, at least, is in the brain stem. It's in a place called the pons, um, which is down at the base of the brain stem. So obviously, if there are any lesions in that brain stem, that is absolutely going to cause some issues with the bladder. Um, lesions or issues in our frontal lobe, so the front part of our brain, that's our decision making area. And so sometimes what happens is is that when there are lesions in that area of the brain, um, patients will kind of 
they'll feel like they have to pee, but then they'll maybe forget about it or they won't make the decision. And then that causes some, some leakage or some overactivity. Uh, and then anything in the spinal cord, because the spinal cord is kind of the conduit between the bladder and those, those nerves around the bladder and up to the brain to decide what to do with that information. So really, if there are lesions in any parts of that, that part of the central nervous system, you are going to have uh, some issues. Now, the bowel is its own animal. The bowel has its own nervous system, and it can be affected by lots of different things, um, but kind of along the same route that if there is that disconnection between the brain and the gut, there, there can be some issues with, uh, with having a bowel movement. Interesting. I get that question a lot of, hey, this is my symptom. Where's the lesion? And sometimes it's so hard to answer and I don't know. So I love that you just exactly told us where those lesions might be for yeah. that symptom. Now, what I will say, especially with MS is that sometimes depending on the severity of the lesion, it may cause worsening problems or it may not be as bad. And, and what we kind of look at too with that is, you know, what was their bowel and bladder function prior to having that lesion, right? So um, if they had a bladder problem prior Prior, um, if they, let's say, had overactive bladder pr prior to getting diagnosed to MS, with MS, and then they get a lesion in that area, it's just going to exacerbate. It's going to be a lot worse than maybe somebody who had a healthy bladder before and then gets a lesion in that brainstem. It might not be as severe of, of a symptom. So um, severity is going to vary depending on a lot of other factors, but you're absolutely right. You know, um, knowing what's going on can really give us a lot of information about where there might be some lesions. Yeah. And you know, one thing also that I hear quite frequently from my clients is that they don't know if one of their symptoms that they're experiencing is caused from MS or something else like aging or, or anything. How, how would you guide someone who is having pelvic floor issues, bowel or bladder to determine is this MS or not? And does it matter either way? Yeah. So that's a really great question because, you know, what I always tell people is your pelvic floor had a life before you were diagnosed with MS. So, you know, for women, they might've had some vaginal deliveries for men, they might have some prostate problems. And, and so those pre-existing conditions can cause a lot of bladder problems in their own right. Um, if you have a baby, for instance, that makes your pelvic floor weak and you might've been leaking well before you were ever diagnosed with MS. Um, so, you know, we look at kind of the point of where things started. So um, if you had, in the example I gave about having a baby, let's say you start leaking right after you had that baby, and then you're diagnosed with MS five years later, probably the initial leakage is due to that baby and not necessarily the MS. Um, but if you had no bladder problems and you're diagnosed with MS and shortly after you start experiencing, you know, a lot of um, urgency, feeling like you have to run to the bathroom or you're going to leak, then that is kind of more like, uh, you know, likely to be caused by the MS. So we, we really look at kind of when those symptoms started. Um, and then also a lot of symptoms that are directly caused by MS are going to directly coincide with a flare. So if you have a flare of physical symptoms, for instance, and then your bladder gets worse, that's likely to be more caused by the 
MS. Um, if you get a flare and your physical symptoms get worse, your, but your bladder remains unchanged, likely that's going to be more to due to those things that happened to you prior to the diagnosis. So that helps gives us some, you know, investigation as to what, what, what is what. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier that there's many different things that you can do for this. You even once said the word surgery as one of the options. So I do want to get into specifically about pelvic floor physical therapy, but before we do that, what are the options out there? So if someone's listening right now saying, yep, this is me, what do they do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there is, well, first thing is talk to any of your providers because, you know, I think at the very least, you know, talking to either your neurologist or even your family practice doctor about some of the, the symptoms that you're experiencing is going to be really important for them to start, you know, that decision-making tree. But generally, issues with the bowel and bladder specifically are either due to the muscle and the bones or they're due to what we call the viscera. So things like the actual bladder or the gut. Um, and there are things that we as pelvic floor therapists can do if it is related to the muscles. And then if it's related more to the bladder itself or the gut, that's gonna be something that, you know, maybe is more medication-based or surgical-based. So to give you some examples, um, when I said, when I talked about the, um, leaking with coughing, laughing, and sneezing. So, you know, you laugh and you leak a little bit. A lot of times that is due to the muscles. Um, and the reason for that is that you're putting pressure on your bladder and your muscles are not able to meet that pressure. So that's definitely gonna be something that is more physical therapy related. But if you have what we call overactive bladder, so the bladder keeps contracting even after it's emptied or it contracts all the time, meaning you have like this feeling of needing to go all the time, that's not probably going to be helped as much by the physical therapy that may have to, um, you know, go see a urologist and we may need to look into medication. So what I usually say is start with your neurologist or your urologist, tell them what symptoms you're having. It is not out of the question that patients have come to me first and we've kind of gone through that subjective history, tried to understand when their symptoms are happening, what exactly is happening. And then I say, you know what, I think this can be helped by PT or no, I think you need to go see a urologist. Um, and sometimes the physician will make that that call as well is like, you know, what what which practitioner should we refer to first? But what I have found in all the years that I've been doing this is that usually we're both going to help you, urology and pelvic floor physical therapy. It's kind of a combination of two different things. Um, but I usually tell patients it's not going to be one person that's helping everything. You know, usually it's going to be a team approach just like the rest of your MS care, you know, it's going to be, you need to have a village. And, and so pelvic floor and urology can definitely be part of that village. That's great to know. And, you know, I'm a huge advocate of pelvic floor physical therapy. Anytime any of my clients mention anything about bowel, bladder, or sexual dysfunction, I immediately mention pelvic floor PT. And usually what I'm met with is one of two things. 
sometimes I'm met with, oh, I can do Kegels at home. Like, I think everyone just assumes pelvic floor therapy just means do more Kegels. Um, So I'd like for you to touch on that. But the second thing that I hear is just fear and nerves. Like they don't know what to expect. So if someone does go to a pelvic floor physical therapist, what can they expect? What might a session or two look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So, and and that's, you know, usually the, the two things that people say when they come to see me for an eval is one, why in the world did you decide to do this? And two, you know, what, what in the world are you going to offer me besides just Kegel exercises? Um, and one of the, you know, first I say, I, you know, the reason why I got into it is I, I don't mind talking about poop and pee all day. And also it's such an underserved area. You know, I really wanted to be able to, to do what I could and make a difference in those patients' lives. But as far as the kegels are concerned, first of all, if my entire job just consisted of telling people to squeeze and relax, I would have gotten out of this racket a long time ago. <laughs> um, so while kegels are fundamentally important, and we all should be doing them to keep our pelvic floor healthy, they're not the only thing that keeps you from leaking or the only thing that helps your bladder. Um, We look at the abdominal muscles. We look at the way that you are um, doing pressure management, which is kind of, you know, I I talked about um, if you cough or sneeze, it it pushes down on your bladder. So are we able to more effectively teach you how to hold that pressure in or um, use your diaphragm to help with that pressure? So we'll evaluate all of that at the first visit. You know, we'll look at your breathing. We'll look at your abdominal strength strength. And then we may do an internal exam. And what I mean like internal, it's an intravaginal or an intrarectal exam to really tell the strength of that pelvic floor. Um, so it's it's way more than just telling you to squeeze and relax. It's telling you how to coordinate all of those different systems. Um, and then the other piece that pelvic floor does a lot is we do a lot of education. Uh, as I said, half of my uh, job is dispelling myths. So for instance, the biggest myth that we probably dispel is that, um, you know, patients will tell me, well, I have a lot of urgency. I feel like I go to the bathroom all day. So I just don't drink anything. Well, guess what? your kidneys are going to make urine whether you drink anything or not. So if you are restricting your fluids, what you're doing is you're making your, your urine more concentrated which is actually making you leak more or making your urgency worse. So that myth or that education and how much water should you be drinking and, you know, when throughout the day and what should I be eating to, for good bowel consistency, all of those different things are, are what we educate you about during a pelvic floor PT appointment. Wow. That's great. Do you have any resources as to where someone can find a pelvic floor physical therapist? Yeah, so my 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 favorite place is the Academy of Pelvic Health, um, which is a division of the American Physical Therapy Association. So um, we have a website. It is 
aptapelvichealth.org. Um, and that website, there is a PT locator button on there. So you can put in your zip code and it will give you, you know, pelvic floor physical therapists that are certified and have been trained in your area. Um, and I can tell you, I teach for the Academy of Pelvic Health and I have taught in just about every state except for Hawaii and Alaska. Um, but now that we have webinars and now that we have online, even patient uh, PTs from those states, um, you know, are, are getting uh, more education. So, um, so, you know, it's, that's the best way to find a practitioner. Um, your urologist might also know somebody or have, you know, worked with somebody in the past, but um, the Academy of Public Health is probably the best place to be able to get that comprehensive list. Awesome. And just for our listeners, I will put that link that Karina mentioned in the show notes. So easy access. You guys can just go there to get that. One question I've been curious about as I talk to each of my patients about how beneficial pelvic floor PT is, is it possible that you might go to a pelvic floor therapist in person for definitely the first evaluation and maybe even one or two follow-ups, but then could switch to telehealth or do all appointments need to be in person? You know, it really, that's a great question. And now that we have telehealth and telehealth is paid for by insurance, which we didn't have that option before. Um, I've done a little bit of both with patients. So one, it depends on how honest you're going to be about actually doing your exercises. <laughs> if you, um, if you're, you know, um, doing pretty well and you can follow directions pretty well, um, you are able to, to coordinate that pelvic floor. We can absolutely do some uh, uh, sessions hybrid, especially if I'm just doing education-based um, therapy. But for some people, um, they may need a little bit more guidance and we may need to do a little bit more in person. And so for those patients, I might do two visits of telehealth and then have them come back in for a reassessment. And then we can do another two visits of telehealth. So usually there is at least some in-person um, element with pelvic floor physical therapy, um, but talk with your provider um, about the option to do telehealth because most um, people are kind of uh, doing some of that, this hybrid model of, of both in-person and online visits. Awesome. That's good to know. So this has been really insightful. If we do have any listeners in your area or just want to find you online, where can they find you or learn more from you? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So um, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I work for um, Ohio Health uh, there. So um, patients can find me there. And then actually, if you go to that Academy of Pelvic Health website, because I am an instructor, all of my information is on that website. So my email address, um, and uh, my location are all on there. So usually that's where I direct people because it's kind of your one-stop shop. So um, you can find me um, on the PT locator and then you can also find all of my information under the instructors uh, um, category. Awesome. I'm going to do that right after this recording and I'm going to put all that information in the show notes for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I just love how you're able to talk about all of these things in a very comfortable way. And I don't think, I mean, hopefully my listeners feel the same, but it never makes me feel uncomfortable. Like you just feel like there's so much confidence and knowledge there and sharing that and spreading it is so important. So thank you so much. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I try to make the uncomfortable topics comfortable. I use a little humor, as you can tell, um, just to kind of break the ice and let people know that it's okay. But I don't want people to suffer in silence with these types of issues. And so I really um, hope that some of your listeners will feel a little bit more empowered to seek help uh, for any of these issues. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you love this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.